Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing how to become a boundaries artist. The truth is that it takes a massive amount to do boundaries well. Even when I'm not mentioning the word boundaries in any way, shape, or form, I really am teaching and talking about boundaries because boundaries are everything. I'm passionate about teaching boundaries because boundaries have saved my life. They have created a structure and a security that I really needed to build a good life coming from a wildly dysfunctional childhood. Many of the people that I see talking about boundaries online, they really seem to like to make it look easy or simple. And we certainly need to simplify things to be able to learn and be a beginner. It looks simple the way an artist makes drawing something look easy and simple. But boundaries are not easy. It's why it takes so much intentional work to do them well. To become a talented artist, we really have to understand and accept that it takes practicing basic drawing, using different tools like charcoal or ink or acrylic or oils, and combining them in artful ways that create harmony and beauty. Often an artist is working through what is visually or emotionally disharmonious to be able to create beauty. And that's what good artists do, right? That's what we're drawn to when we see good artistry is the beauty that they create, often out of their pain. As an artist continues to practice his or her art, their style fine tunes somehow solidifying as their own style, even while continuing to expand. Here are some things to think about if you desire to become a boundary artist, if you will. This is how I believe we become a talented, emotional, boundaried artist. Some of this list is in the thinking realm, some in the doing, and some in the spiritual. Consider yoga. 
There are many aspects to yoga, but the part of yoga that most of us visualize is the physical practice of yoga, and it is a physical art form. Very often, I've heard the sentiment from people, I know I need to get to yoga, but I need to lose some weight or I need to get more flexible first. And no, this is the very reason to engage yoga as an art, as an art to practice. And this is how and when we watch our bodies unfold and experience the art form of yoga. And that's what transforms the body and our emotional relationship to that body as it moves through the yogic movements. I get the sense that many highly sensitive people, they want to be great at boundaries before giving themselves permission to practice boundaries, maybe even to go to my boundaries class. We can embrace the idea that the only way to be able to draw a straight line is to draw many a wobbly one. We can embrace the idea that the only way to be able to have a stable tree pose in yoga is by experiencing many a wobbly tree pose. And we can embrace the idea that to become a boundaries artist, we will have to set many a wobbly and wonky boundary. To be a boundary artist, we must engage in a process of getting to know ourselves. Now that might sound overgeneralized or like a big no duh, but we have to bring some intentionality to this. This means learning about our own morals, values, and beliefs. This means stepping into and defining some principles as a grounding and guiding force. Our morals, values, and beliefs can be very simple and very complex. Just as an artist might start with a rough sketch, we can start by roughly sketching out our morals, values, and beliefs. And we can trust that the picture will fill in as we grow. My simple sketch, if you will, of my number one priority is peace for my nervous system. I value peace. And therefore, I value managing my energy so that my nervous system can feel as peaceful as it can as it meets the challenge of every single day. And I value that because if I don't value that, my best self can't show up for my life. Nobody needs a grumpy pants Nikki in their life, least of all me. If you resonate with this, you are free to copy my simple sketch of my highest value for now. Trusting that as you fill in your picture, there's no way that it can look exactly like mine. Because you're going to fill in your picture as you go and as you grow. This is about figuring out what guides our lives and taking the reins and being intentional with that guidance. Earlier in my life, people pleasing was most certainly my guiding force. And it was most certainly my guiding force before I ever consciously knew that that's what was guiding my life my decisions, my day-to-day. Now my guiding force is my peace. What guides your life? What guides your day-to-day? What do you want to guide your life? What do you think you really need to guide your life? 
What would serve you even if it's different than what anyone in your immediate world wants or needs or resonates with? Because this is about you figuring out who you are, not who other people expect you to be, and not a version of yourself that's easier for other people to understand. Who am I is a question that needs to be very separate from what do others think I should be. This is how we define who we are. If we don't know who we are, we likely don't know where we start and stop. And if we don't know where we start or stop, we likely don't know where others start and stop. And this may be the codependent confusion that zaps so much of the energy from our lives. This is a first necessary defining process in the quest to have better boundaries. The idea is that I have my side of the street and you have your side of the street. It's my job to keep my side of the street manicured and trash free. And it's your job to keep your side of the street manicured and trash free. When we get together, my side of the street and your side of the street, they overlap. Then it gets a little more complex, a little less simple. Well, whose job is it to pick up that trash if it blows into the space where we both overlap? And that's why we have to be able to negotiate to be able to have healthy boundaries, to be able to have healthy expectations for ourselves and for each other. To be able to talk through what needs doing to move life along so that we don't become the person that just decides I'll just be the person that picks up all the trash. That's fine if there's one or two or three pieces that blow into my yard, my side of the street. But what happens if the person sharing space with me overlapping? What if they have a dump truck pull up and it unloads? This is why we engage boundaries work. To become a boundaries artist, consider giving yourself permission for self-worth and beginner's mind. Now, permission for self-worth. I'm saying that very intentionally. You don't have to wait till you feel full and whole and worthy before you enact boundaries. As we enact the boundaries, the self-worth grows. Beginner's mind is something that we talk about a lot in yoga, that there's something really beautiful and refreshing about the way that a beginner sees something without any preconceived notion. It's also a permission for us to be new, for us to be green, for us to not know what the hell we're doing as we start to try to do the thing. We can accept that our worth grows while our inner child witnesses our adult self willing to practice boundaries as an act of self-love and self-care. This is what grows the worth and the esteem inside of us. If you're codependent and give away all or most of your energy or think that you should give away all or most of your energy for fears of being accused of selfishness, how is your inner child to ever feel seen, heard, held, and respected by you, much less by anybody else. 
if you grew up not being seen or heard or validated or considered, are you accidentally recreating a family dynamic within yourself versus letting go of that family dynamic and giving yourself permission to fill yourself up, to be more boundaried so that you can have a container that you can fill up instead of bleeding out all of your energy? Boundaries also evolve as needed. And sometimes our anxiety wants us to predetermine all the boundaries needed in an attempt to avoid a future uncomfortable moment. And that makes us feel neurotic and actually increases our anxiety because you, me, none of us, we don't have that much control. And to want that much control really is an expectation that we are psychic, that we can see into the future and pre-decide the boundaries that are needed. That's not really reasonable and a big giant waste of energy for a tribe of highly sensitive people who report being overwhelmed and energetically zapped as some of their main concerns. Would you like to relax or fall asleep? while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. This is the seventh year I will teach the boundaries course. For six years, I intentionally taught my course with no guidelines or rules. That's not how any other mental health stuff goes, you guys. All of it is about guidelines and rules, and you sign and you agree before you get there. I've always had a bit of a problem with that. Because in real life, we don't have that opportunity. In much the same way that I would let you into my home, This is how we let people into our lives. And we don't have the opportunity. It's not culturally appropriate to have people sign an agreement before they walk through the threshold of your life and engage you. And this is why I've taught it this way. So that I could show students how to manage a boundary crossing in real time if and when it happened. As I've managed whatever friction, whatever contrast, whatever boundary crossing has come up, I have consistently received feedback from students that those moments are sometimes more impactful than the actual content that I'm teaching because it actually shows people in real time the energy that I hold in my body as I set some boundaries, how to speak up, how to respect yourself, your own space, and have boundaries as the art form that they truly are. Something that's incredibly hard to teach 
in a flat form like a sort of college textbook. We really do benefit by seeing it in action. While the podcast isn't a perfect form of being able to show you in real time or to be able to respond with another person in that moment, it is part of why I do the podcast because I can talk you through some experiences. I can show you with tone and words. In the Patreon where I do the video live streams each month, I can show even more with my body language. So there's a lot that we're communicating. Boundaries are not just the words coming out of our face. It truly is art form. I hope this is helping you open up to the idea of it as an art form, not as some kind of concrete math problem you learn and then walk forth in the world and execute. It's an art. This year, I am setting some guidelines because culturally, we've had some shifts since I started teaching the course. Culturally, college students and then the influence social media from those college students and those college teachings are encouraging activism without boundaries. In something like a course, it is like coming into my home. It's my space. Just like when you let people into your home, that is your space to manage. So this year, that will be the guideline. And I'm using the word guideline instead of boundary. You'll learn why if you join the course. And this leads me to my next point. Boundaries aren't really about what we want. Boundaries are really a requirement for our sanity so that we can reach our goals, so that we can share space together, so that we can respect the limits of time and energy. In boundaries work, we like to obsess about the part where we have to set the boundary. But if you want to be a true boundaries artist, you will also work on receiving boundaries with grace and maturity. One of the ideas that we have to help marinate ourselves in and get more comfortable with, especially if we've been raised to be codependent, is that no is a full sentence. And we can learn to give it and to receive it with grace and maturity. We can learn when someone says, hey, here is a line. We don't have to agree with the line. And we can decide if we want to be in space with that person to respect that line or not. In terms of boundaries, I want you to consider the idea that the safest space available is going to be inside of each of us as individuals. There will always be friction and contrast and difference when we gather as people, whether that's two people together or 200. I can only offer a safe space in the limited way that I can, that anyone can, that I can promise when I am hosting a space to handle whatever needs handling as it needs handling the same way I would if you were in my home. When it comes to human beings who have a hefty dose of internalized critical voice, I kind of laugh at the idea of people getting together in communities to host perfectly safe space. When most of the people in any room don't know the first thing about being safe within themselves, kind, encouraging, managing that inner critic, that inner bully. So to be a boundaries artist in this way, we really have to get real. We have to work on internal boundaries 
just as much as the external boundaries with other people, sometimes more. How are you right now with the internal boundaries with your inner critic? Do you know how to boundary that inner critic? Do you know how to move from a judgmental lifestyle to a lifestyle of practicing discernment? If we judge ourselves harshly, we tend to judge others harshly. When we let go of judgment and move to discernment, we soften. We get more compassionate with ourselves. And then guess what? From that self-work, there is an outflow where we get more compassionate with others. Not just when they're pleasing us, not just when they're easy for us, but in the tough moments, in the hard moments, in the moments of friction, of contrast, and of conflict. Let's consider dysfunctional hope. Most of us grew up with the idea that hope is good. It is only good. We should always have hope. That sounds really good. Sounds sweet. Sounds like there's no problems with that. But consider that second chances were never meant to be infinite chances. And that most highly sensitive people who lean into some codependency and into people pleasing, they tend to give people infinite chances. They don't know how to say enough. Forgiveness is reasonable always as a tool of freedom to free ourselves and to free other people. But forgiveness is not the same thing as endless chances. When someone apologizes, if that apology is empty or flippant or cheap, and doesn't come with a quality or an acknowledgement of personal ownership and an effort to change in order to not repeat the same offense, we may be putting some dysfunctional hope into this dynamic or into this person showing up in a different way. So to have healthy boundaries, we face this head on. Am I having some kind of utopian innocent, idealized hope? Or am I allowing myself to really accept what is so that I can deal with what is instead of what I hope for? One of the things that's been an interesting change in the last handful of years is the whole concept of people being offended. I refuse to change what I teach in this regard just because culture is grabbing onto an idea that we shouldn't be offended. I fundamentally disagree with that. Allowing others to be offended if they are offended is required to have proper boundaries. I'm going to say that again. Allowing others to be offended if they happen to become offended is required if we are to be artful about boundaries and self-respecting. Now, that does not mean walking forth, skipping, and intentionally offending everyone in our path. Boundaries take integrity. We have to know the audience and know the space. We have to also be able to consider the space that we are in. We have to be able to differentiate our roles, situation to situation. In some roles, we are teacher. In some roles, we are student. In some roles, we are a combination of the two. Sometimes it is our role to speak up. Sometimes it is our role to listen. Sometimes it is our role to let it go. 
Sometimes it's our role to give grace. To do boundaries well, we have to be aware of our dysfunctional human ego that all of us possess. And we have to help that dysfunctional part of our ego, that part that has the hair rise on the back of its neck, that part that bristles when someone tells us no, that part that doesn't like that it's not going the way that we expected. We have to be able to manage our human ego to be able to be in integrity with our boundaries, to be respectful of ourselves and other people. We have to allow ourselves and others to be flawed human beings while we hold reasonable standards and reasonable flexibility. You hear me speak a lot on this show and if you work with me in person about the pendulum swinging. So sometimes when we go from a boundaryless existence, we try to swing all the way in the other direction and we want to drop a boundaries hammer everywhere. Healthy boundaries are not non-existent or made of iron. Healthy boundaries invite balance. Too rigid is dysfunctional. Too loose is dysfunctional. Our boundaries have to be a little bit like Goldilocks and the porridge. We have to learn how to let these boundaries be just right. Another thing we need in this art form of boundaries work is to engage a practice of stilling and quieting, not just the body, but the mind. How can we truly listen with our eyes, with our ears, with our hearts, with our bodies, if we can't get still and slow down? We learn to listen to what is said as much as to what is unsaid with an understanding and respect that the goal is not to encourage neurotic overprocessing or overanalyzing, but it's to engage this art form, this balanced art form, so that we can grow in our communication and in our boundary setting internally and externally. The people who make for the best artists at boundaries they truly have insight and compassion. Our best boundaries come out of self-respect and regard, as well as the respect and regard for others. Boundaries are anti-codependent in nature. As we move through the world, it's true now, and it's been true all the days of our lives. Whether we realize it or not, we have been teaching people how to treat us. And as codependents, we have all accidentally taught everyone around us that we exist to people, please, to serve others, to show up in other people's lives the way that they want us to. So when we start to realize that we need boundaries in our life, it really is as if we start to show up to these relationships where we have already taught people how to treat us. And it's like all of a sudden we're saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to change the rules here. I'm going to show up differently and that's going to force you to be different. To be in self-respect, to be a boundaries artist in this way, we have to know and accept that most people on the planet, they're not going to like this change. They're not going to say, oh, thank you so much for challenging me to be different and show up with more healthiness and personal responsibility. Only people with very high maturity and insight may give us that kind of response. The response that we crave. So we have to have compassion for ourselves here as well as for them, that all of a sudden we're changing the rules. We're changing our own role 
in our own life. We're showing up for ourselves more than that endless expectation to show up for others. And we can accept and help our inner child with the reality that the people we love and care about likely will not immediately thank us for the forced discomfort and growth. And when we have proper boundaries with others, we're in a sense basically saying, I'm not going to absorb whatever it is you expect me to absorb, even though I've absorbed it a hundred times before, which means the person that we're setting this boundary with, they have to deal with it because we're saying in that moment, I'm not dealing with it. If we don't invite this kind of deep understanding about this dynamic, it's very easy to fall into an approval trap, an approval trap that we are accidentally setting for ourselves. And it goes something like this. Oh, it's so hard to have boundaries. Okay, I'm going to set a boundary with this person. And ooh, I can feel my inner child going, ooh, wee, this is scary stuff. I don't know about this. I still want their approval. And so we set our boundary. And in the next moment, if we get cold shoulder, if we get chip on the shoulder, if we get eye rolling, if we get how dare you energy that pokes the shame button, our inner child is likely to crumble. That inner child will show up in this moment and go, but I tried so hard and I did it exactly right and they're still mad at me. And we will weep. We will hurt. We can show up for our inner child in this moment. We can be our own authority figure. We can learn to be our own source of encouragement for such moments. This work takes courage and you don't have to feel courageous to show up with courage. You have the power to decide that no matter how you feel, in fact, despite how you feel, how scared and overwhelmed you might feel, that you can show up in the act of courage for yourself. I think a lot about this imagery. I can imagine quite possibly from all the hurricanes I dealt with growing up in New Orleans. But I can very much picture a mom after her house has been ruined by flooding or the roof has been torn off by wind or both. And that mama, she might be holding the hand of a very small one and she has no idea what's going to happen, how she's going to fix this mess. But she knows how to turn to her worried child and she knows how to say with authority, We're okay, baby. What's important is that we're okay. And I'm figuring this out. I've got you. I've got this. I'm taking care of things. Don't you worry. As we change and we grow, as we evolve, we have these types of scary moments where our inner child looks at us like, oh my gosh, is this okay? I don't know if this is okay or not. And if we need approval from somebody else that's giving us disapproval in that moment, my goodness, are we going to melt down? But we can learn to show up for ourselves right in this moment. Put a hand on the heart and a hand on the belly and say, oh, sweet inner child. I've got this. I know it's scary. And we can do it anyway. I've got this. I'm going to teach you that having boundaries is okay. I'm going to teach you that we get to have boundaries. I love you and we get to manage our time and our energy And that's going to help us have stronger yeses and stronger noes 
It's not just about telling everybody no. It's about being able to tell people yes with more authenticity and more heart too. Do this for yourself. Be this for yourself and you will unleash some personal power like you have yet to encounter. I think you deserve to feel this type of power and security, this type of comfort that comes from you to you. Do you believe that you deserve to cultivate that feeling inside of you, that kind of security, that kind of self-love and self-care? Because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if I want it for you. It only matters if you want it for you and if you're willing to show up for yourself in such a way. I accept every day of my life that I will work on boundaries. I will work on the nuances of my mood and somebody else's mood. Each situation that is infinitely different, though weirdly similar to every other situation, that there are different seasons that I'm in and that another person is in, that my exhaustion versus energy level is going to affect how I show up in every moment. If I'm hangry or hydrated, if I'm raw or rested, And I will not be able to get myself into any kind of idealized utopian state before I set every boundary in my life. And that this is the art form. And that I want to be able to engage this as an art form so that I can be spontaneous, so that I can flow through my life, so that I can deal with the inevitable collisions in this life with others. Others who are caught up in their own moods, their own seasons, their own lives, their own situations, their own stories, their own energies. I accept that relating is a constant negotiation. Boundaries work is an acceptance of such negotiation. And yes, it is uncomfortable. It is a radical acceptance of this discomfort for a highly sensitive person. Yes, it would be so much easier if we could all be psychic and we could all be overly conscientious And yet we're not as a tribe of people. Some people will very much be willing to meet us right in that sticky spot of that negotiation. And some people won't. To become a true boundaries artist, we accept all of these realities and we commit to working with it all the days of our lives. As we act as if we are worth it, as we move through this work, we actually start to feel worth it, y'all. This is why I'm so passionate about boundaries. Not only does it give us the framework, the guide rails to meet our goals, to have more energy, to respect what our healing nervous systems actually really need to be able to heal, but it actually grows our worth. And those of you that understand worthiness in your headspace, but don't understand how to feel it in your body, this very well may be the missing link. This permission to really engage boundaries work, to become an artist. If you're interested in taking the boundaries course this October, come sign up. I teach live three times a week for four weeks, and then we review. We have review sessions for two weeks, so I am in there live, participating and active for six full weeks. The course costs $450 to be with me for six full weeks. Then you get the course for an entire year. So you can go back, you can revisit lessons. Those of you who work with me individually, 
Often I will say in a session, hey, I'm talking about this lesson. This is where we were today. How about you go back and check out that lesson again so that you can really get this art form into your body. I want you to be an artist that can be proud of his or her drawings. I want you to know that your work is good work as you do it. I want you to be able to be confident as you walk the world in a boundary in a boundaried way that respects you. Not cocky, but confident. And I want you all to know, no matter how codependent you think you are right now, you really can become this sort of artist in the boundaries department that can guide your life, that can hold your life, that can respect what you really need, what you want, and what you deserve in this life. This is why I am so passionate about boundaries. If you resonate with the show and how I talk about things, that is how I teach. You're not going to show up to that course and get a different Nikki. You're just going to get a little more of me. I get to be very personable and I get to sort of feed off of y'all's energy. And that does get you a little something different out of me than just me on this microphone. Come learn more at emotionalbadass.com backslash boundaries. Use early bird 22 to save $50 off full price or pick a payment plan. Those of you in Patreon, y'all always get the biggest, greatest discounts. And if you want to redo the course this year, check your email. Past participants have a very special offer because yes, because this is an art form. Many people take the course two times, sometimes three times. If you know that this is what you need to learn, I cannot wait to meet you this October. Light and love. I am an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. I'll see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.